Welcome to The Rural Rockstar, a podcast dedicated to empowering rural women with the tools and inspiration to transform their lives and businesses from the inside out. I share my journey of Survive to Thrive in life and business, and I show what it takes to be an entrepreneur. I also interview other rockstar women from around the world to inspire you to do it too. My mission is to empower the next generation of rural changemakers to show up and be the leaders we need. I'm Katrina, your rockstar host. Let's rock. Hello and welcome back to The Rural Rockstar. I'm your host, Katrina Myers, and today I'm joined by Rebecca Fing. Thanks for coming on, Beck. Thanks for having me, Katrina. Oh, it's so nice to be chatting with you today. You're all the way up in Gundawindi and I'm all the way down in Barham, sort of like opposite ends of the state. Oh, is Gundawindi Queensland or New South Wales? Uh, we are Queensland, but I can see the border from my office desk. Oh, there you go. How naive am I that I don't even know that? And here we are. But there you go. You can see the border from your office desk. Hilarious. So thanks for coming on today, Beck. And I'm really looking forward to getting into chatting with you. So Beck is from her business is House Paddock Consulting, Training and Consulting. And it's all about, I guess, helping individuals, businesses, and even working with um, like industry groups as well with sort of time management, work health and safety, human resources, and like just like strategic planning. And from what I can gather, it's all about helping the individual to discover more about themselves and work with themselves so that they can be better for the world around them as well and taking that personal responsibility as well and seeing how that all fits in. But that's my very, you know, my ad-lib version of what Beck does and we will hear from her all about it. But it's just such a treat to have you here today. I've had friends that have gone through your courses and absolutely love them. And I love the work that you're doing with the online, in the online space and then also in the real world. It just looks, yeah, fabulous and so needed in in the rural world, I guess. Um, and you probably work in, you know, bigger centres and everything as well. But this sort of thing is so needed in rural Australia and I, I'm very grateful to have you on today. So thanks, Beck. So I usually get everyone to start by telling us where they sort of, how they got to be, like how did you end up in Gundawindi and how did you start your business and kind of a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are now. So if you'd love to share that with us, that would be awesome. Oh, thank you, Katrina, and thank you for that very generous introduction. You've sort of made me out to be an absolute jack of all trades. <laughs> Possibly true. Um, and I don't know how to attack that. Let's go back and just cover off the basics. I'm in Gundawindi because of um, someone that I call my super cute boyfriend uh, who 20 years ago um, he was working here and I ended up here Um for him, we uh, he's now uh, graduated to be my husband and the father of my three beautiful children. Um, so that's to cover off how I ended up in Gundawindi. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's that. Get that out of the way. Um, but I'm with you that uh, I absolutely love working in regional. Yeah, absolutely. We dabble um, in the city, but regional Australia is where our heart is. Um, my business house paddock. Um, funny sort of a origin because it's so basic I called my dad at the ripe age of uh, 22 which was 18 years ago and said hey dad I might start my own business his response was you have nothing to lose (laughs) so um, with that he said don't do anything silly to lose your employability along the way and go at it and I did Um, so house paddock training and consulting Um, is 18 years old and it has really um, definitely evolved as time goes on and interestingly and we chatted before we went live about my role as and I say a pseudo expert in time management it's an area I'm really 
passionate about. And how we ended up here, firstly, um, I my business health Paddock. I have another business, Bet Thing Designs. I like contributing to my community. I like being a mother. I like being a wife. I like being a domestic, I'm not going to say goddess, disaster, whatever. <laughs> I knew that we, I really wanted to have it all. So that's one thing from a personal perspective. But let's talk more professionally how I ended up in the space. We help businesses, as you said, from a work, health and safety, HR and strategy perspective. The overall aim of House Paddock is to professionalise farming businesses or regional small businesses. And I realised, Katrina, really quickly, and I'm sure some of your experience will um, be able to consolidate this, that we go into businesses to help them with strategy, work, health and safety, HR. Um, Like you, I love working with rural women and I was almost a little bit... um, uh, concern that if I was from a uh, compliance perspective to put anything else on these women's plates, mm. like I, I was, I was nervous for them. I was nervous for them myself. And we'd get in there, and I'd also think, "Wow, you've got enough on. You too are contributing your community. Maybe a bit of a side hustle, uh, working on farm, uh, whatever it might be. And uh, you don't know what I'm about to tell you is actually another job for you. So." Fast forward and we thought, wow, well, before we put anything else on these people's plates, let's give them a hand to tidy it up. And that's sort of how we ended up acknowledging that there was an opportunity but also helping people to um, develop those skills. And in line with our earlier conversation, I firmly believe that people can't manage um, a business or others until they manage, can manage themselves. So I don't know if that's a nice segue and I'm ha- even happy to leave it there for you to tease it out but that's how we ended up doing a lot of work and 50% of our work we work health and safety in HR is definitely our wheelhouse we love it but the real gains we get are, are helping people um, really understand the juggling acts put some systems in place some tools and resources to manage themselves and we're going to get into this no doubt because there's no such thing as time management it's actually self-management so that's a tiny little bit of I work in the space when I sort of originally prided myself on work, health and safety in HR and I, you know, still sort of do. But this is a a really important part of what we do now. So just going back, though, how cool that you were brave enough to go and start a business at 22. Like I always love to tune into that a little bit too because... It's a little crazy. Well, you know, it's interesting. You're the third, I think you're about the third guest now who like started a business when they were 22 or young, like um, Simone Kane, she came on, you know, George the Farmer. She was like 20 when she started. I'm like, is it, I think there's a lot to be said for actually just naivety at that age, you know, and you, you, like, I don't know, there's not probably not as quite as much risk in just, if you've got the now to start your own business, you kind of just go and do it and don't overthink it as much, maybe. Mm, I agree. And I think also, uh, in line with that, your comment around the risk, uh, I didn't have anything to lose. I knew if I went for six months and it wasn't great, I could get another job. And yes. so that, which is always would have been the case at 30 and, and 40, but now I'm trying to feed and educate a few little friends and, and contribute to our household. So um, I'm, I'm very fundamentally grateful that I was brave enough for long enough to, to do it back then. And don't get me wrong, um, I had the confidence through the employer I currently had at the time, I went back to part-time. So it wasn't just a uh, throw it all out there. I went back to part-time and built the business around that. I've always had some really amazing relationships with 
like RTOs and industry groups, and I'd like to name, like, you know, without name dropping, Tokel College I've been working for for 15 years. I worked for Cotton Australia for 10 years. So just the consistency, it's always nice to be asked. It's nice to be nicer to be asked back. So managing risk from a business perspective has always been important because it's not nice not to pay bills. So just making sure our business strategy was in line. And in fairness, the way our biz, my business was when we started is very different to now and we've allowed it to mature and now I don't try and be everything to everyone. People say, oh, you can do that, can't you? I'm like, well, I could, but I'm not going to. I'm not the best person for the job. We're very, which is in line with practising what we preach, very in tune with our values, which all sounds a little bit high end and wanky, but if we, if I didn't like what you do, I wouldn't, I don't hang out with you. But my clients and the people I partner with, I really make sure that we're in the same, on the same track, same boundaries, same, you know, guide rails, which we call them, and and allow it to be, um, you know, a bit more authentic in that space, if that makes sense. So please know that it was a pretty wild circus in the beginning and now we're a bit more mature and fine-tuned. Yeah, but I love that. And I love everything you were talking about there about, you know, you really are practising what you preach. I mean, and, and you know, I was just chatting with a friend this morning about how once you've got the good well-being and the good, you know, you you feel good about yourself and your own life and all that too, then you actually then have the freedom to make better decisions and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, having those boundaries around who you're working with and all that is so, so important. And that is practising what you preach because, you know, we're going to get into this, but no one's going to come to you for the for advice if, if your life's in a shambles and your business is in a shambles. <laughs> oh, look, come on. If we just sort of put a bit of a disclaimer in here, if anyone knows me typically well, they're probably going to stamp me with the word fraud. But <laughs> largely we are theoretically on track and we do our damn darndest. And, look, um, that concept of, you know, you can't have it all, if you get your shit in the heat, you actually can, or if you've got your priorities right enough, and don't get me wrong, I use the word we a lot. I'm not a lone ranger. Even in my life, my businesses, I'm. we surround ourselves with really good people, whether they're in our office, in our home, remote. So for me, you know, I'm happy to get in and talk delegation because we can have it all, but we don't have to do it all. So that's another part of it. So I guess that is to clarify that I'm semi-fraudulent in some aspects and there are days when I'm just showing, I know we're not on screen, but I'm showing Katrina my slippers here that, you know, like we're, yeah, we, we're very real as well. And I think that's important to make, maybe that makes us relatable because we're living it too. <laughs> Absolutely. It's all part of it. And that is life. And there is no perfect either. And that's, it's just managing that, isn't it? So, well, let's get into then. What's, what is your, so what have you found and what's the best advice for people and what is the, I know you've got a bit of a strategy that you give to people around time management and, you know, for someone going, okay, well, everything's just a shambles, like, you know, I've got no time, I'm feeling overwhelmed, you know, whether, let's start with personal first and then maybe we can unpack some, sort of some business strategies. But for someone like a woman listening just going, I'm completely overwhelmed, where would they start and what is your advice around time management? Because I know people like they need tangible things as well as, well, a lot of people actually don't go that inwards, like what am I going to do for myself and how can I actually set myself up better, which is something I'd like to get your point of view on as well. Do you, I know you mentioned it earlier, that's really important. Like if you haven't got your own house in order, you can't expect everything else to be in order. So let's unpack that for us and tell us your kind of approach to time. Um, look, I'm happy to give you the 30-second version, which there's, and there's two things I love when you said there about the tools versus 
um, our di- internal dialogue. Yes. Um, because we can talk about everything from a to-do list to excuses. But I'm going to say, and um, I'm going to say from the outset, it's about ownership. And that, again, doesn't sound really a usable sort of statement. But first and foremost, my favourite line is there isn't any such thing as good time management. We have available to us 168 hours a week. I'm surprised, Katrina, how few people know the significance of that number, given we talk 24-7, 365. But in reality, our working and personal lives rolling weeks. So we have 168 hours available to us um, uh, for the taking. If we all, whether you use it well or not, it's gone, blah, 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 those lines. So for me, it's about stop uh, quitting the excuses and stopping and really understanding um, that it is around self-management and, and the choices that we make of how we use that time. And then once we've sort of gone righto, and I could talk here about habits and labels and language and the way we speak to ourselves and about ourselves and the fact that, you know, I'm not great at that. Well, do you want to be better at it? So let's park that and go on now to once we've acknowledged that from the outset, um, I would say there's a few steps that I would work with anyone who is looking for improved self-management, time management. Firstly is clarity of direction, all very topical, vision, mission, values, all of those things. But it's about knowing what you're trying to achieve. If you don't know what you're trying to achieve, and it could be uh, we're rarely on one working on one goal autonomously, so or um, at single-handedly, we might be trying to juggle a family and a business, and um, uh, you know our health and well-being, which um, you mentioned earlier. It's around the cross allocation of resources once we know what we're trying to achieve. So making sure my first tip would be making sure people know exactly what they're trying to achieve. If 2021 is a success for you, what does it look like? Mm. If you're going to look back and say, oh, wow, that year was a cracker, what did it look like? And then to that end, my next step would be to be really honest with yourself and understand where you spend your time. So if we want to save a few bucks, we do a budget. We count where we spend our money. If we want to, and I'm look, I'm just clearly not working. My iWatch is on my bench. But if we want to improve our health and fitness, we count steps, we count protein, we count calories, whatever. If you would like to manage your time, you've got to measure it. So my next tip is really understand where you're spending it, where you're wasting it, where your productive times are, and really getting a handle on how we're utilising that time. And then we can start looking at minimising wages, increasing efficiency, and we can get all into that. But then we're going to start establishing some goals. And, look, quite often we have a very split camp in the goals department. Mm-hmm. We have people that say, oh, I didn't, don't set goals anymore because I never reached them. Well, a goal without a strategy, I'm going to talk about that, uh, is a pipe dream. Uh, but also are the goals right? Are they in line with that vision and mission and your values or are they imposed by society? Let's have a giggle here and say that um, for women now, vintage age demographic, we can really guess what the news resolutions are, alcohol, spending less, eating less. You know what? If I got to the end of 21 and ticked all those boxes, it should be a pretty sucky year. <laughs> I'll tell you why. They're imposed on me by society and not necessarily what would make it a success for me. So for me, it's about helping and encouraging people to set some goals that resonate with them. Mm. 
So that's, I guess, the high-end stuff which people are probably going, oh, well, hopefully she gives us something more than clarity of direction, measurement and goals. But once we've got that in place, we can then start thinking about how we can plan, and this is the next thing, is, is the planning around your year, your month, your week, your day, and improve efficiency from that perspective. So I've probably given you the five-minute synopsis of what I'd say is the four key steps, but then the last bit, which I'm happy to really tease out, is that execution stuff, like, you know, looking for discipline over motivation. But happy for you to, you know, tease out what you wanted to chat about if any of that stuff is of value. Yes, well, first of all, it's just I guess one thing that I always find is, though, well, a couple of things for you. First of all, at what point do you find people are coming to you and how hard is it for them to actually, like, get started and start to do this stuff? Because, you know, it's that having the awareness that you need to do this is the hard part. So are people coming to you or is it, like, often that you're working with people in businesses who've said, well, we need to do this or is it... You know, at what point are people coming to you and saying, shivers, I need help? Is it like when they're burnout or are they? I'm going to say I reckon two schools of thought. Firstly, exactly what you're saying, burnout, so really vulnerable, I can't do it any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, or more people that have um, have that element of realisation that, that there is a better way or so I can keep going with the oars. But even, um, hey, I'd love to start a business. I don't know if I have time. And I'm like, well, we can have a look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that for me um, is probably a bit of a split camp. The proactivity space, which, you know, snaps to those of us who, you know, or those of them who are a bit more proactive, but we've all had times where we're like, wow, if I have to do this again, like we get to the end of, and the other thing I'm really conscious of is um, that subcritical pressure over a long period of time. We're like an elastic band. And even though, and, you know, as mums and wives and business owners, we get to the end of every day and you go, oh, okay, well, I've got that done. Like you don't necessarily feel great, but you feel, and I know I've done it myself in the past. People say, oh, how was such and such? And I'll say done mm. rather than fantastic or rewarding or energising, just like done, ticked off the list. So I'm going to say um, that we lo- we're we very happy and always working with people who are a bit more vulnerable, but um, taking the time to, you know, we can create, and look, this, concept of balance and is it a balance or a harmony we exist in interesting environments in farming because work is life and now you know our work is our home and the diff- every day is Wednesday so I believe in that respect um, we need to professionalize that approach a little bit and put a bit of a different tone on some days I don't care if it's a Tuesday if you want to harvest through the weekend but yeah so I'm not sure if I've answered your question, but all different stages. But I also would say or appeal to people to not necessarily wait till they're rocking in the corner speaking before they realise it can be done better. And you know what? Some of the stuff we do, it turns your day or your life on its head. You're like, wow, if only I had done that five years ago, where would what would we have achieved? Mm. You know, well, and probably that's where conversations like this is so important just for sowing those seeds. Like my friend... Again, my mate Meg, like she and I, she talks about how some people need a little feather and a little bit of a, oh, if you do this, this will help. Other people need a sledgehammer, like, you know, hit, <laughs> like I say, rocking in the corner and that's when they'll make change. So it's just interesting to hear from your point of view, like when people are coming to you as well. So I don't mind, um, I don't mind a velvet mallet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my husband uses that term if he has to caress someone gently. It's a yeah. Looks but, yeah, like um, be, you know, with anything in our life, like it's always harder to come back if we're 
further off track than we need to be. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about productivity then because that's something that I think is really interesting. So there's a couple of things about productivity for me. One is society tells us that we have to be busy, go, 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 and, like, that's productive. As long as we're getting something done and also we we attach productivity to self-worth. Like, so if we're being productive, then we're good people. So there's that. But then there's also um, so people thinking that they're productive just because they're flat out all day, which is, you know, and then you'll hear like I was just talking to my osteopath this morning randomly. He said, oh, Dad, you know, um, he's what is that? Oh, I haven't got time to exercise. And we were talking about how actually, though, if you exercise, you'll be way more productive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, talk to me about productivity, like what is productivity and what defines it? And then why do we all sort of, why have we got to this point where if we're busy, we're productive, but actually we're probably not achieving or achieving things or, you know, and so how do you teach people about productivity and how to be more productive? Is it does that also come back to their values then and what's important to them in terms of productivity? Oh, I've just got about 150 things that are running through my... <laughs> Sorry, there's a lot of in that. No, because it's such a great topic. And firstly, and clarifying or qualifying what you said, um, we have glorified busy. How are you going? I'm busy. Mm. Are you well? And so, yes, absolutely, and probably not rightly so. Well, it's tricky, isn't it? We're talking about um, productivity uh, defining our worth and then talking about the importance of our mental and physical well-being and balance. So, and and if we're, and I know some of my busier days have been some of my less productive. Mm-hmm. So um, in terms of improve, and, and just another point there is um, I do believe, and there's some of the commentary has changed around it, which is great, um, and there's a lot smarter people than me that talk about this, is the value of rest and recharge. And quite often, and especially where we see, uh, and I'm going to say regional women, where we are go, 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 and then, you know, we've all used the term, oh, I got that done and fell in a heap, yeah. like the brick wall. But the alternative to rest is quit. Yes. So I, I'm going to go with you and say, um, value the rest and the recharge and I know on Sunday I did and you know the mum guilt kicked in I did nothing I'd had two weeks on the road it was blah blah and I did nothing and I didn't feel great about it but man I could function on Monday and Mm so but so in terms of productivity there's a few things um the core uh I guess characteristic of improving productivity is around a plan so that all sounds you know pretty basic but um, the failure to plan is the planning to fail that's also very kitschy but if we do know what we're trying to achieve in line with our values we've got some goals that are resonating with us we can then and we use um, a process called reverse engineering which is really super cool to take I know right Uh, a big uh, goal if you're a big picture person you're there usually in sight but make it into a a seasonal plan a monthly plan a weekly plan and guess what today's to-do list so planning I'm going to say is your key to productivity but then let's have a think about people say yeah but I do plan I do write a to-do list and then I'll say then what yeah follow it okay well even saying that you're the one that said it so this is where we're real real supporters of uh discipline over motivation so you know as well as I do we rarely feel like doing what we're supposed to be damn doing and motivation it's a real sucker it will let us down at the most important time but if you think about it and that's why we talk about the importance of that clarity of direction 
your vision, your values, your goals. They provide the scaffolding for the plan, right? And then once we reverse engineer this plan and end up with today's to-do list, we're not waiting to be motivated to follow the list or do the action items, even if they're shit bits, Katrina. I did ask team if I could swear. (laughs) Because if they're in line with the things that are most important to us and reaching our goals, if we're disciplined to do it, discipline creates uh, momentum, which creates motivation. Does that make sense? Mm, Absolutely. What I say there is... Don't worry, like, oh, I didn't feel like it. No, no, follow the damn plan is, is mm. a big part of it. And then the next stage from that is, is around creating efficiencies, which is our other topic. So, But at a higher end, know what you're trying to achieve, create a really, in a detailed plan, right down to a daily to-do list. But don't stop there because we're quite good at doing that and then wondering why it doesn't happen because we didn't do the thing. Mm. Next. Yes. So then how do we make, how do people actually do the thing? Because that's the thing is like motivation, there's a whole lot of, um, you know, research and heaps of people, experts talking on this stuff now, like motivation is, is not enough. It's changing your daily habits and all that sort of stuff. So if you're right at that start, so, you know, you go, you would go through this process with people like, let's get your big picture goals sorted. Let's get all that, you know, work back from there. We're going to reverse engineer right down to your to-do list. And then someone's got to that point where I've got the big plan, we're with the to-do list, we're ready to go. How do you actually get them then to like, what's your advice for getting yeah, look, um, I'm gonna, No, oh, look, it is. There's a few things in here. Firstly, let's talk about accountability. If we're yep. self-employed, say, for example, you're writing a new program or want to put together something, a white paper, whatever it might be, and there's no deadline, is there anyone holding you accountable to that plan or that goal or that dream of yours and usually with women who are self-employed the answer is no so I'm going to say accountability is one thing the other thing is it's the way we talk to and about ourselves so for example I'm a procrastinator do you like being a procrastinator stop calling yourself a damn procrastinator and change your behavior so don't procrastinate Um, then you mentioned habits I'm a massive subscriber to understanding what habits are serving you and that might be uh scrolling your phone in bed at night which is me it might be so sleep hygiene it might be the fact that your posture is not great it might be your get up time it might be whatever it might be whatever habits are serving you keep them if they're not get rid of them um i'm a massive subscriber to ritual and routine uh decision fatigue and i'm going to throw a heap of really kitschy language here but if it resonates with someone i challenge you to have a squeeze into it like Mm. um, Decision fatigue is our ability to um, make effective and meaningful decisions. And especially in agriculture, we make way too many decisions. So um, really streamlining decision-making through ritual and routine, same get-up time, same put a uniform on, whatever it might be. So there's a lot of little things that, and I'm going to say it's a bit that snowball effect um, is to kick the can down the road and get the momentum going but it's discipline that's going to get it done. And I think that's the thing, like where do I start? You just start. You start without excuse. You start without any dialogue in your head. Like if the plan is right, and this is the other thing, I I love talking about the sense of fulfilment and achievement we get from progress as well. So we set ourselves up for that. Hey, we're really just glorified five-year-olds. We're pretty simple operators. (laughs) But we overcomplicate this stuff. So if the big picture, the scaffolding, um, and I'd be waving my arms around 
right now if people could see me and, you know, drawing the scaffolding of our lives, and that all sounds a little bit wanky too, but if the big picture stuff is right, it makes it easier for the daily stuff to be right. And when I say right, it means it fits well with you. It sits well in your stomach, in your gut. And if I look at my daily to-do list, absolutely there are things on it I don't want to do. But I know they're a small part, even a shit bit, of the big picture, which is in line with my vision and my values. And and don't get me wrong, that is taking my son to guitar practice Mm. because they have breeding and growing real rounded children. I consider it a shit bit of that job. But do you know what I mean? But I don't, I'm going, why am I doing this? And so then you go, well, change the language around it, stop whinging. So I'm going to say as a bit of a roundout to that is, Quit the excuses, change the way we approach it because if it's part of a bigger picture that we've bought into mm-hmm. at every level, it that language will be easier to change. Does that sort of does mm. that make sense? I feel like I'm rambling a bit. No, absolutely. I love it. I love everything you're saying. It's yeah, it's so it really resonates and it's exactly the stuff that I, you know, think about, talk about, read about. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's just so, so good. And I think. Really, the first part, and what I do see a lot of women struggling with, though, is you know it is taking that time to firstly stop and think about what you want. So what about that? Two things that came to mind there is one is what about when a woman's, because quite often women will say, well, I don't know what I want. Mm. Now, to that, sometimes now I think, well, actually, you probably do know what you want. It's just that you're too scared to say because it, it, do you find that? Oh, so true. But the other thing is, Again, regional women particularly, we are so selfless. We have given up all of our goals to allow everyone else. Like you'll miss the last sausage, bad example, but you'll miss your yoga class because your child's got a dance lesson. It's a no-brainer. We are so uh, eternally generous in our spirit. And don't get me wrong, that sits with me too. Miss yoga, I don't like yoga, I'm a bad example. But but um, I should like yoga, Katrina. But I guess... Um, it comes back to that notion and it's very well documented about not being able to pour from an empty cup or the requirement to put our own oxygen mask on first. So I know that's a little bit deviating from I don't know what I want to achieve. Um, we do need to have an element of self in this and if we get our stuff in a heap well enough, there is enough time to include ourselves. And then that's where um, we started the conversation earlier around priorities. Yeah. If you know what you're trying to achieve, um, and and this will lend towards learning to say no, and I can talk about that in a minute too, how we end up with our boundaries and what we say yes and no to. But if we really know what we're trying to achieve and we have a plan and understand and improve our efficiencies along the way, we will be able to prioritise the things that are important, which might be a small goal. It might be, and don't get me um, across the whole eastern seaboard, regional Australia has done it really tough. COVID, let's own it, really hasn't affected us. But we had because we had four, five, six, seven years of drought. Yeah. So we had our seven years of COVID. Let's that's a whole nother topic for another day. But there were times where time wasn't available, money wasn't available, there was nothing left. The tanks were empty. I had a gorgeous lady, um uh on the Condoblin, and she said, My goal for the year is to use a stick of lipstick. And I was like, snaps to you. Like, <laughs> Or if if reading is your passion, 10 minutes in a book, or I'm going to have a coffee with a girlfriend once a week. And then you know what we do, Katrina? We actually put in the plan. 
Mm. Don't hope this stuff happens. And that, they all sound very superficial and selfish, but it might be I'm a better operator if I exercise. I'm a better, I absolutely love, I my side hustle is creative and I love, if I'm a better person if I make time to be creative. So is it selfish or is it smart? And not looking after ourselves is, and first and foremost, is actually not selfish. It's silly. So yeah. I'm going to, yeah, that would be my take on some of that. So, um, and the other thing is, if if I know myself, um, if I stopped rabbit holing wedding photos on Facebook of people I don't even know, I'd find the time to do the things that I that I want to do. For example, so work out your plan, work out where you're spending your time, improve your efficiency. There'll be plenty of time for whatever you want to use it for. Yes, and so I think also what resonated with me with what you said there was sometimes it's those sort of like if you can't decide what you want for dinner or if you can't, you know, manage to get lipstick on or if you can't manage to, you know, prioritise as a small amount of time for yourself every day, then it's going to be very hard to prioritise and make big decisions or to articulate what you want in terms of the next five years. Like you do sometimes just have to break it down and start small too and like build up that trust in yourself so that you can go, oh, okay, I actually can. It is okay for me to prioritise myself just in this small way first so then I can do it on the bigger scale. Oh, so incredibly true. And also depending, um, you know, I might say I'd like to train for an ultra marathon. It takes, what well, I don't know, I've never done it clearly, but 8, 10, 15, 30 hours a week. I don't have that, but mm. I do have 10 minutes. And and also finding 10 minutes in a, a day, you know, well, there's 168 hours in a week. If we run the sums on that, 168 times 6, about 1,000, let's go with 1,000. There's 1,000 10-minute increments and you can't pick up the phone and ring your girlfriend. Mm. Yeah. So, so I think sometimes it's about ownership and we love hiding behind, I don't have time to exercise, I don't have time to whatever it might be, enjoy a hobby, be part of what whatever it is that's important to you. Do you not have time? Do you not have enough interest? Do you not have the discipline to turn up? Um, and also, or have you not communicated the need or the interest? So I think. Um, I'm definitely with you. Start small. Don't go rightio. I'm going to do four days a week on such and such. Pick ten minutes and yeah. and keep it real. The other thing here is um, really understanding. Uh, not we can talk about juggling balls. I liken it to a plate spinning act in a circus because I reckon I'm running a pretty crazy circus. And sometimes, firstly, you have to have a look and see if every plate that you're currently giving a spin to is it serving you. Is it in line with your goals and your values? Is it a committee that you're on because no one else wants to be on it? Like are there any plates you can ditch? And also acknowledge that, and I know a personal example, I've just been on the road for two weeks um, delivering training, and by the time I got home, my family plate was pretty wobbly. So guess what? This week I'm reallocating resources. That all sounds like I'm some sort of, you know, very technically, you know, planned. But I'm basically giving my family some love. Yes. And, and giving that plate a good spin. And we know at times in our lives that each different plates will teeter. And sometimes they can teeter. Sometimes you can gently lift them down and park them. I know, really admire, we see business women um, on social media that say, hey, I'm going to take three months out. Take that plate and pop it on the ground. Yeah. But it might be that I'm feeling really lousy. My skin's a mess. My hair's, I just feel gross. Well, maybe your personal plate needs a spin. So I don't know if that's, and for me, that also starts the conversation around yes and no. Mm. Um, I love 
uh, can categorically and unapologetically say no now. I say, hey, thanks for the opportunity. It's a rock hard no from me. I don't really say that. But in my mind, I'm like, no, I've got my 168. I'm going to end up saying yes to something that isn't serving me, serving someone else at the detriment of one of my plates. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yes, absolutely. And I think it's a huge part of the well-being, you know, and having prioritising yourself and self-care is learning and being able to say no. And you, and I think it's like it's almost like a milestone on the self-care mm-hmm. journey. Oh, I'm, I can say no. <laughs> yes, it's like such an achievement, isn't it? And, and I feel the same. Like it's, But it is work in progress, that one. It's hard. You get a bit of FOMO. Yeah, you know, yes. I could have gone for the weekend. I could have gone for the being on the committee, and but you know what? Let them have it. it there's a reason why you said no, and mm. you know, is it does it have to tick six boxes or two boxes? What are the boxes? And look, I'm going to give an example there. Um, at the moment, we've got three school age children, and at the moment, I'm going to suggest that if someone listed my read my eulogy, community wouldn't be high on the list. I'm pretty down with that because any spare time. I have at the moment needs to be about my children. So mm-hmm. I did uh, convene the netball canteen. That wasn't about the community. That was about my daughter. Does mm. that make sense? So it was easy when I get an opportunity for a black tie ball or and it's not that I don't like the cause. Uh, at the moment, my values, family is higher than community, but, but as I my children mature and maybe leave home, maybe I can't wait to convene the black tie ball. Does that make sense? Yes. So about juggling, and it is a juggle, but making sure that um, the plates can be right but maybe not right now either. So it can be a no, might be a no for now, might be a not for me. Yeah, so that's I think so, I think that's a really useful tool that we can encourage people, women particularly, who are looking after someone other than themselves, probably not looking after themselves very well, um, you know, business, community life, how many plates have you got up? Are they all still serving you? And can any be either uh, ceremoniously smashed or gently lowered? Or does someone need a spin? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's such good advice. And it's also knowing that, you know, at different points in your life, your, your values are going to keep changing and evolving and growing. And, like, yeah, just like at this point in time, your values and your priorities are your family, so you do things that align with that. And then once the kids get bigger, it'll change. And you're never stuck and locked into anything either. I think that's really important. Mm. And to follow on from that, something I wanted to ask you about was, and I don't know if this is still in your realms of, like, advice giving space because obviously <laughs> we do have a lot of buckets here, Beck. You're obviously a very expert on a lot of things. But oh, geez, you clearly are. So. Fine. So some some one something that might be coming up is okay. Well, how do I how do I say to my husband or my business partner or you know the community group? How do I approach this and say actually I want to prioritize some time for myself a bit more as the first step because you know this is a huge first part of self care prioritizing your own time and your own self is a very big part of the first step of time management and then you know, we need to be able to communicate that to other people. So if you've got some advice and some tips around how to maybe address those, what can be seen as difficult conversations, I guess? Um, I'm going to say first and foremost a pair of big girl pants. <laughs> <laughs> Look, not great advice, Katrina. I'm going to say that. Because it's just ever, great shooting. Yes, yes, but it'll never be as bad as you think it is because I always find, and I love talking communication and conflict because I do believe that effective communication Clear expectations is a really lovely way to mitigate conflict. But I do believe that people don't mind if they know. And I'm going to yeah. I'll say that about, say, 
Um, I've already said I've got a super cute boyfriend and quite often something will be bubbling like I just wish I could go, I just wish I could go, but you don't say anything and then you're not, you're upset because I haven't responded but you haven't said anything. So first and foremost, have you even floated the idea? Yeah. So so people don't mind if they know like, oh, geez, here you are getting upset. I didn't even realise this was an issue to you. So that would be my first and foremost is speak up. Secondly, if it is a difficult conversation around it might be leaving a committee or leaving a, uh, a, a role, uh, the man with the plan will win the game. <laughs> uh, so have a plan, create a script. This is, And it might be depending, I'm not saying have difficult conversations over email, but um, if you aren't confident that you're not going to be able to be, you will be railroaded and talked uh, out of your decision, is it that, hey, for the following reasons, whether or not you have to justify it, um, I'd love to tender my resignation for, and put it in email. Like, and that's, but I'm going to say, um, and it, you know, hardly even answering the question by way of tools is go uh, know that it's, the decision is right. So um, maybe speak to someone who you respect and who knows your circus and say, you know, can you can you acknowledge and maybe even say like, this is what I'm going to say, and they'll go, yep, that's spot on. Um, also, just the first and foremost is not saying make waves because they'll ripple, but actually have the conversation and say, hey, guys, I'm just letting you know I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed and vulnerable at the moment. Um, can I take a lesser position? Can you cut me some slack? Whatever it might be. And I'm not saying use that if you have every intention to resign. Go in and resign. But it might be that that's enough to allow you to pass, get someone else to spin the plate and I'm going to say with our loved ones, and I can only speak from example and having conversations with my girlfriends, is quite often we bitch to someone else other than the person who should be we should be communicating with. So mm. my favourite line is, you know, have you said anything? And now I'm like, well, no, I haven't said anything. I'm just getting frustrated and talking to you about it. So, <laughs> um, and I think also, especially with our goals, making sure um, that we do, we rarely do things autonomously, and we want that buy-in. We we want the support. We want people in our village to say, "Hey, I'll grab that plate for you. Keep going. You're doing a great job." Rather than, "Oh, you're bloody studying again." Or mm. so get the buy-in from the outset, um, and keep the communication channels really open. But again, sometimes, like I said, just it's a pair of big girl pants, is what it is. Mm. But communication creates success. At, at every level so people don't usually mind if they know it's when there's no communication and there's some perceptions and you know you might be dropping the ball because you're floundering but had you have said something a different system could have been put in place so I don't know if that ramble is is useful but if the decision is right because it's in line with your goals and vision blah, 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 um, the conversation will be easier is it would be my take on it mm. Again, excellent advice. It reminds me of Brene Brown. Clear is kind. I always think of that now. That's that's a really nice one. I'm going to use that. Yeah. It's so true. People don't mind if they know. Mm. Uh, It's a bit like if you're on a committee and you're not going to meet a deadline of, you know, putting the program together so someone can book the speakers, well, tell them. Otherwise Mm. you turn up and you've let the team down. So, again, People don't not mind. Mike's my favourite. People don't mind if they know. You're right. Um, yeah, clear is kind. I like that. That's a nice little mm, adjunct. Well, it just leads to resentment a lot of the time too, doesn't it? And you do you see that in relationships and stuff where, you know, someone's not, oh, well, they, they never help with this or they never help with that. It's like, well, have you asked them? Have you actually said, hey, I need a hand with this. It's, I'm finding it really hard, you know, like 
And quite often that, that those conversations just aren't happening. And, and then that, that comes back to, you know, there's a whole realm of issues of why someone might not be able to say what they really need and want. But that's what you've got to dig into, isn't it? If you're not able to express what you really need and what you want, then why is that? Unpack that and then, yeah, just I love it. Put on your big girl. Okay. Can I get back into uh, a little bit of a technical time management tip? And some yes. of the stuff um, is in line with um, and, and allocation of I talk about resources as much as time because we our resources are energy, time and money in my opinion. Uh, I say time, we know categorically 168. Re, uh, finances, sometimes they're thick and fast, sometimes they're light on the ground, but also our energy. And I know sometimes we give things our time but not the right energy. My children, good example, they'll get time this afternoon. Will they get my best? No, you probably got my best today. Yeah. <laughs> but also, Katrina, delegation, we always think we have to do it all. Delegation is the art of buying time. And also, sometimes we're not the best person for the job. Who has built their own website and spent three days where we should be doing what, what we're good at to then realise that the website sucked yeah. and then go and give someone $1,500 to build a new one? So stick with what you're good at. And sometimes, and back to the black tie ball, I am not necessarily going to give any time, but I do love a good sponsorship opportunity now. Because yes. my business is a bit more mature, mature, I don't want to be on the committee, but, hey, I'd love to sponsor the pre-dinner drinks. Does that make sense? So yes. understanding what the finite resource is at the time, and I appreciate um, uh, with a lot of women, especially starting out in business, they mightn't have the funds to allocate, you know, to a website. Or, but the other thing is I often work, we work with a lot of farming women and I say, I hate doing the farming books. I'm like, you're, you're telling me a nurse, go and do a, you're a nurse, go and do a night shift and pay someone or go and work in a coffee shop, fill your own cup and pay someone. Do you know what I mean? Like, or, Yes. Yeah, so the process of delegation for me, I'm going to go as far as saying, I don't know if this has come out of my mouth before and it's on record, but it is my single biggest edge to having it all. Yeah. Is buying other people's time. And yeah. it might be. Oh, I'll do the home baking for the week for our both of our families. You're doing a basket of ironing. Like go back to some old-fashioned solutions, whether it's bartering or, yeah, so I think relying on our village and delegating either financially, uh, exchange of resources, I'll um, show you my craft if your craft, you know, you're a little catering business. Let me to the lasagnas a week. I'll look over your work health and safety system. Do you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Stick with what you're good at. We get a sense of fulfilment and achievement from it because there's not a lot of joy in trying to be everything to everyone. Mm. And being able to ask for help, like that is another big, I reckon that's up there with, you know, once you're learning to say no and being able to ask for help is like milestones on your kind of self-development journey. So true. And not only are we um, not great at asking for it, we don't even accept it. If it's oh, exactly. like, oh, I'll take, um, I've got a little cute story, one of my beautiful friends, um, she anyway offered to take my son to swimming um, lessons each week. And I was like, no, Catherine, you don't need to do that. Anyway, she rings and says, you owe Amy at the pool 140 bucks." And I said, what? And she said, yeah, I'm taking, I booked George into swimming lessons. And she said to me in no uncertain terms, you need to realise the village is going your way. So they're in the same class, they're very good friends, and George went to swimming lessons with her every week. And do you know how much wind it knocked out of her sail? Yeah. And and she roused me when I 
you know, brought her a present to say thank you. But it didn't sit well with me. She's one of my best friends. It didn't. But that's just our mentality of having to do it all. So not only do we not ask, I would no sooner have asked her, oh, hey, I'll throw my kid in your car every week for swimming training, can I? I would never do that. But I wasn't even going to accept the genuine offer. Yes, and then actually what we're doing is denying someone else the gift of helping as well because, you know, that's like, and I've talked about this before, but being able to help someone is such a gift makes you feel so good about yourself, like selfishly, like, the, you know, so for her, for your friend Catherine, the gift of helping you and knowing that she was giving you this, you know, time each week would have been awesome. And then, um, you know, and I'll tell that. you how much of an imposition it was, swimming lessons finished. She, she's like, can we just have George Fing on a Thursday now, like in the afternoon? <laughs> he's really, so. Love it. That the take-home out of that is um, be, I don't know, it's not brave, vulnerable. What's the word that we need to say? If you're not going to ask for it, at least bloody accept it. Yeah. We're all doing, um, I was out at Walgett um, running a workshop and there was this, these beautiful ladies and I'm going to get it all mixed up, but say football training was in um, Bar and Junction and something was in Canamble on the same, different on the same night. And they basically had this permanent sleepover midweek arrangement where the boys went to football with one mum, the girls went to dance with another mum, and it was just life. Yeah. And it was that we talk so um, often and famously about the village. Do we use it? And yeah. And usually no. So team, delegate and use your village. There you go. There's another gem. <laughs> <laughs> we're, very, we're throwing them out thick and fast here like confetti. Oh, you really are. And we have to wrap up, which was very unfortunate because I think that you <laughs> this actually happens with most of my guests. I'm like, we can talk all day. Like, we really yeah. have to get you back on, Beck. When I was, like, shooting through some questions, I was thinking, and we're going to have to do two episodes with you for sure. But well, a little part A, part B, they'll be like, yeah. oh, I'm not listening to that crazy lady. Part A's listened to a thousand times, part B, six. Stop it. Everybody will love it. I'm so excited to share it with everyone. And tell me, just, just tell us, like, quickly about the courses that you've got available at the moment or where people could find you. And I think that you've got that GROW program coming up again soon. Yeah. So, oh, awesome. I love a good blade and plug. It's not really what I had in mind. but um, oh, yeah, so, we're all about yeah. that. Um, so we run a women's um, uh, professional development program for Tokal College for farming women across New South Wales, which is a cracker. It's called GROW. Uh, and the Tokal website is where you can find out about it. Um, we're on our typical socials channels, so our Instagram and Facebook under House Paddock. We have a little spring clean, which is we figured that we were, you know, spring clean your life. Um, and maybe, Katrina, we should put a, I don't know, I've never had the opportunity to say this, but a discount code in the show notes. Oh, wow, that would be exciting. <laughs> podcast lingo happening today. Um, but it's basically a little four-module program to cover the stuff we've talked about today. So, um, you know, clarity of direction, planning, goals, execution, blah, blah. And we also, we developed a planner because we know that um, a to-do list is a principal tool for uh, personal effectiveness, time management, self-management. So, but uh, housepaddocktraining.com.au is where you'll find us. And, um, yeah, I'm really chuffed to have had the chance to have a chat. It was so good. It was just so lovely. I was, you know, nodding and clapping and, yes, just high-fiving the most of it. So thank you so much, Beck. It was just so lovely to chat with you. And I'm sure that people will be following all of that up and we will definitely get you back on again at some stage. So thank you so much for coming on. And, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Beck. No worries. Thanks very much, Katrina. Yeah.